Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. Today's episode is also presented by Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is a transformative way to work out. Sweat Connected has a mission to help you feel your best. Each expert instructor brings their signature method directly to you wherever you are in the world via Zoom. When you take a Sweat Connected class, you are able to interact with your instructor and the other participants in the class just like you would in a live studio experience. Whether you have been a group fitness participant for years or are newer, you will feel at home with Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is exclusively offering our listeners 50% off their first class by going to sweatconnected.com and using the code POD, that's POD, P-O-D, at sweatconnected.com for 50% off your first class. Sweat Connected, for all levels, all ages, all sizes, and all humans. We're also brought to you by State Bags. State Bags makes beautifully well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand-delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need, but their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back, and part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com. Using the code POD, that's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD, P-O-D, at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. And finally, we are brought to you by Hugh Kitchen. Hugh is a family-founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra-simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hugh obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hugh's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and aren't heavily processed. Use code POD for 15% off your next purchase at HughKitchen.com. That's code POD, P-O-D, for 15% off at HughKitchen.com. And find out why Hugh helps people get back to human. Health, parenting, finance, travel, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rodersheimer, your host. Today's topic is centered around finances, but we're going to do a deep dive in the world of technology, specifically data gathering. At this point, I think we've all come to the realization that, yes, we're being tracked. Yes, our data is being gathered. And yes, it's being sold for no advantage to us. So my guest saw this and is trying to level the playing field and at the very least allow us to make some money off of the data that is inevitably being gathered. My guest is Jeff Bermant. He founded Virtual World Computing in 2008 and has been dedicated to providing a better trusted browsing experience with superior privacy controls. Now he's changing the internet once again, this time giving users control over their data with an unprecedented way to monetize that data anonymously. My Data Rewards is an industry first, enabling users to cash in on a billion-dollar business of online data monetization. Thanks, Jeff, for joining me today. Can you kick us off by giving us some of your background and then ultimately what led to the idea for Cocoon? Thanks, Greg, and thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Kind of fun times for us because we've, you know, we're doing something that I think is unique and special, and I'm very excited about. Uh, presenting it to your audience and some food for thought. So a little bit of background about me. I'm originally from back East. Uh, I moved out to California and I got lucky. I was a pretty good tennis player. Didn't start like a good tennis player, but became a good tennis player. I went to a year of school um, out on the West coast. um, And then I was uh, luckily I got a scholarship to USC uh, university of Southern California for all you guys on the East Coast. Uh, And then uh, after that, I spent a year teaching tennis and then decided 
I'm not going to be a very good pro. I don't really like doing it. And so I actually got into real estate. My father was a shopping center developer, and I thought real estate was pretty cool. So my first job was a, a runner or a sales, actually a pre-sales guy at uh, Cobalt Banker, which is now CBRE. And I did that for some five or six years. I actually worked for Tom Selleck's dad. And there was, we had a saying about Tom Selleck, there are no bad looking Selleck's. That was, that was a word on the road. So that's kind of the background. And then from there, I'm an entrepreneur by heart. And I started my own development company with a little help from another developer. And he launched me into my own career, which I would say was fairly successful over the years. So lots of ups and downs, as there is in real estate. Uh, and then decided I wanted to try something else. And so from there, I got into tech. That's a long distance between tech and real estate, by the way. It's, you know, I could barely turn on my computer when I got started. Yeah, I would imagine. Obviously, I think of real estate, I think of the people piece of it being one of the primary skills that you have to have. And I think most people, when you think of tech, at least the coders and things like that, almost would think of introverts that uh, really don't want to have to deal with people. And then there's obviously a language uh, difference and et cetera, et cetera. What were some of those challenges to get into a new industry? The main challenges, as I said, was, I mean, for me, it was even just turning on and off the computer. Uh, this was, you know, 15 years or 12 years ago. I really knew nothing about the web. And so there was a real learning curve. Uh, and I'm a pretty good student. I like to research things. So I really got excited about it. And I was very excited about, about you know, my idea. Um, and that was principally... A lot of things that I do, you know, come after I'm annoyed by this. And so if your uh, listeners feel that way and they get something and they said, you know, I'm really annoyed, they should do the research and see if that, you know, that somebody think of that and somebody do something about it. And and there's a pretty good chance that somebody has. But still, uh, I that's where my idea came from, which was the browser uh, and all the things that happen to you while using a browser. And, of course, it's gotten better. But still, uh, having people track you around the web, tracking your children, um, you know, virus showing up, you clicking on things that, uh, that uh, causes a virus on your computer. Uh, but mostly for me, it was browsing and, and all, the, all the horrible things that could happen to you on browsing. You're, you know, and today, it, obviously, it happens with um, all types of viruses that lock down your computer. And so I was one of these people that said, gosh, there's got to be a better way of doing this than, uh, than how they're doing it back then. And, and I think I was right. I think there was a better way. We didn't catch the wave necessarily monetization-wise, but it did bring on a slew of VPNs and other types of things that keep you private and obviously the antivirus built in. So a lot of those things... Uh, I'm not going to take the, the credit for those, but I was on the leading edge of that whole thing about what about the privacy, what about your security, and so proud of that history that I and I, I the lights turned on for me. Let me ask one real quick question: a, a detour. You mentioned VPNs, which I'm a big fan of. Had always wanted to get a personal VPN. Finally, did that about a year ago, and I like it. But I do run into issues with certain sites that don't seem to play well when I'm on a VPN. Heck, even at one point, Amazon was giving me issues like it, it wouldn't let the site load, things like that. Is that common in – does that maybe like the VPN that I'm using? Obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of factors that go into it. But how streamlined is that world at this point? I don't regularly use them um, because I, I honestly – my inside ballpark tells me that even though a lot of those guys sell your data, so I'm like, mm, they're going to sell your data, then I'm more like, well, I'm also, you know, get money for my data. Because the, really the truth is there isn't a lot of privacy out there. It's hard to create. The best are the VPNs, but they do do things that are odd to your computer. Like I had a VPN and it continually thought I had to shut, they continually shut down my, or, or Gmail continually shut down my Gmail. 
because it thought it was an intruder uh, through the VPN. It didn't recognize the IP address, and so it would shut it down. So there are some drawbacks to them. Some sites don't like it because they want to know where your IP address is. And so if they don't see that IP address, they'll make it much more difficult for you to use it. Um, so, yeah, there are some real drawbacks. And, you know, one of the other ones is you're paying. I'll ask you, how much are you paying a year for yours? That's a great question because I did like a three-year one. It's less than $100. Uh, that's why I finally decided to give it a shot <laughs> with the deal that the one was having. And I imagine they probably aren't as established as maybe more expensive ones. Uh, so maybe they're still working out some of the bugs. But I, I'm sure they can be a lot pricier than that, I'd imagine. That's about the price, though, $100 uh, you know, hundred a year or something. You got it for three years, so it's probably... 30 some odd dollars, which is not bad. But I, I don't believe that most of the world, America may be much more so, but most of the world, they don't even care about privacy. I mean, it's uh, Europe, yeah, more so. But you go to these other countries and they don't understand privacy. They won't pay for it. They can't even afford it. So you got about, I think you got about 20%, which is pretty high. That use a VPN, and a lot of those are used for companies and corporations and not so much for personal use. And um, we just decided when we got into it, since I knew this much about it, and my, and my partner who sells the data, he said, eh, you know, I see a lot of VPNs actually selling people's data. Now, it, it is, you know, it's cleaned, but still they're selling. And I was like, well, you know, there isn't a lot of privacy, and maybe people are more interested in getting money. That's what attracted me was I knew how to build a browser since we built, I think, one of the better browsers out there. It's it's probably dated now because we're spending all our time on this new pivot, which is the monetization of your of your data where you get to participate. But um I you know I just think that the privacy thing is overblown particularly in the United States compared to the rest of the world, which doesn't, I mean, just look at three or four major countries. They don't even allow privacy. China, China is not private. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And that's a billion people right there. Yeah, exactly. And I know just enough to be following what you mean, but I don't know enough of the details uh, as far as how that all works for a country like China. But yeah, I would imagine they don't have the same options, let's say, that we do. And in my mind, I guess I think of privacy or data monetization from two angles. One is the fear of having your identity stolen. And again, using at least my thought process for the VPN, when I'm on my home network and so on, I'm absolutely less concerned about it. I do like to have it if I'm on a hotel Wi-Fi or if I'm in the airport using something like that, which was the main reason that I was wanting to have that really just from an identity theft standpoint. But like you're saying, I think on the other end, assuming that's not the issue or the concern, then there is the collection of data. And of course, people making money off of what you're doing. So, hey, why can't you get in on the game, so to speak, which I think is a really cool concept. For example, I don't know if you're familiar with Swagbox, I think is the name mm -hmm. of the website. Sure. Oh, yeah, so sure. when when we first uh, connected, that was what came up in my head. And I know they'll do like surveys that you can get paid for. If you watch videos, you get paid for that kind of thing that you're trading time for money. So the concept absolutely makes sense. And maybe for a little bit of a foundation, can you describe what other companies do in order to sell your data? Like what kind of data are they taking and ultimately selling? If you can mention who are the companies that would be engaged in making money off of your online activities. Sure. So you, you mentioned Swagbucks and they're one of the bigger ones. Then there's another company called Big Token, which does similar. They, um, they ask you a lot of questions and you fill out a lot of uh, surveys so that's, t that's time consuming and you do get paid for it. And they had an amazing rise. Uh, Big Token did at, um, I think they did like 16 million users for $200,000, uh, signed up for their product. I don't know exactly how many active users they have today. And certainly Swagbucks, you know, they're kind of the giant in that industry of answering questions, watching videos. And in fact, 
you know, we get this all the time on Cocoon where somebody does, you know, 50,000 pages in web browsing and they can't possibly do that human wise. Uh, so they got to be some, using some sort of machine learning uh, and they're usually a swag box, <laughs> which just automatically keeps going from thing to thing. And it's, you know, 30 seconds long before you're on to the next thing. And so you're rating those or whatever you're doing. So those are all what I consider active. There are a few passive ones that are going on now. And that's this is the embryo state uh, that we're in, which is more of the passive. So, for instance, there's a few companies uh, doing geolocation data. Uh, and then there are a few that are doing browsing data. But most of these are taking a different tack than we're taking. First of all, we don't believe that you should do anything differently than you're normally doing. I don't want you to take one survey. I'm really, you know, I, I like people's privacy, so I don't want to pry. Uh, and in fact, all the data, you talk about the data. What, what data do we send to, a, to an advertiser? Well, first of all, it's scrubbed of any medical, really the personal stuff, the medical the banking, the financial, uh, we don't release any of that. It's scrubbed before it goes out. Um, and and the companies that we deal with don't want to accept that anyway. Your personal ID is pretty much, well, it, it depends. If you're just using desktop, I would say there's probably a little more privacy than the phone. But even on the phone, we don't give away anybody's email. In fact, I've had a couple of uh, advertisers ask me for emails and I've said, no, uh, I'm sorry. I don't give those out. That's too, per- too much personal information. They can have a hack. They could have a hashed one, meaning that it's encrypted. So they would have to try and match it up with some other ID. And still, I haven't released those either. I've just felt like that's, you know, coming from the privacy world, I'm trying to balance privacy along with you able to make money off of your data. So the industry is gigantic, what they're doing off of your data. And I just got kind of like irritated that when I figured I did the math, I figured out that, hey, the users are being left out of this. And your 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 data is not, I mean, I guarantee you, the data that Chrome's collecting on you is probably a lot more information than we're collecting on you. And they're, they don't sell it. They give it to the advertisers and the advertisers sell you on something. So they make a lot of money. I think it was like three hundred billion plus last year, just on on, on their sales of, of data or collecting the fees on the data. In their case, Facebook same way makes lots of money off of your data. And and I just got to a point thinking, wait, this just doesn't seem fair. If you're going to give away a lot of your privacy, you you should at least get paid for it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you just mentioned the top two that. I get very paranoid about using Chrome being the number one <laughs> for me that, uh, for example, um, before, again, giving Cocoon a try, uh, I try to use Firefox in nearly every case that I can, because at least they advertise uh, trying to be a little bit more private. And then DuckDuckGo, uh, at least they advertise not uh, tracking you as much as Google seems to. So it's very hard to get away from Google, it seems like at this point, because everybody uses it. But they're the first one that comes to mind to me. And I also wonder if you had somebody come to you asking for an email, that would make me assume that they've gotten emails from somebody else. So it's probably happening. Yeah, they're trying to match them is what they're doing. And as I said, we, we kind of take this position that we limit we limit what we'll give to people because we do respect people's privacy yet. Uh, and, and I would tell you, you're probably worth more money if you were less private. So it just depends on, you know, how private you want to be. I would go all the way from the extreme of VPN where you're trying to be as private as you can and you're going to pay for it all the way to, you think Chrome, I mean, the, the, it's an educational thing where people don't realize that all that data uh, is going uh, to Chrome and then Chrome is somehow monetizing it. And I, I also want to tell you that, for instance, uh, Firefox, they made, I think it was over a hundred million last year, maybe more selling data, bulk data. So no names, no addresses to guess who to Google. 
And the reason for that is because Google can't see. So if you're browsing the web and you use a different browser than what, let's say you're using Chrome as your, excuse me, uh, Google as your search engine, which is the most popular and probably the best in the world. Uh, they can't see when you hit that button to where you want to go. So I'm going to hit this site. They can't see it if you're using another browser. They're blind. So what they can see is your searches, but they don't know actually, which is probably the most valuable, rich information, is what did you finally select? So that becomes where you know Firefox and others will sell that data at the end of the year or during the year make a bunch of money. So even they are selling data uh, and it's just kind of the way they do it because you, you just can't, in, in this world, you can't go without selling data or doing something if you're offering it free. Remember, if it's free, then you're the product. Yes, I, absolutely. And can you give us any idea at an individual level? You already mentioned it depends on how good the data is or how much, I guess, of your online activity you're keeping public is how much you would get. But is there kind of like an on average amount that a tech company is getting from you when they sell your data? Well, I only know a little bit about that. I'm not going to say to be an expert, but I know it's on the average, it's more than $200 a year on users. And that includes search engine and, and it could be more than that. So that's the, that's the kind of number I know. Uh, I think you could, I think it's easily, you could make more money than that. And that that's what our goal is. So I line up on the ball. This is the coolest thing I've ever done because I get to line up on the ball with my users versus the advertisers or, you know, somebody who wants to buy my data. I'm all about, because I'm taking a share of the commission out of this. I'm all about, well, how much money can I make for the user without giving away, you know, maybe super details and maybe someday we'll have a program that says hey you can give away anything you want but you're going to get paid really nicely for that data so once again it kind of depends like for me i don't really worry that somebody's tracking me around the web when i'm looking for a car i I just don't worry about it because really they're not doing anything harmful to you uh it's more just psychologically you don't like them following you but you know, I've never I've never been hit with a, a virus because I looked for a car and I pressed on a car you know ad and then I saw ten others afterwards. And so I really don't worry about that. You have to worry about viruses and so on and so forth. But they rarely come they usually come from mistakes that you make because it comes from greed or something you really want and you haven't thought about it and they're enticing you. That's why they call those Nigerian princes, because they're gonna entice you in something that you think, oh, this is too good to be true, but you still click on it, and all of a sudden you're infected. I'm probably stretching here a little bit, but the only other thing I can think of from a financial budgeting standpoint, I guess maybe if you are a not savvy spender, that means you may end up with more targeted ads that would entice you to buy something you don't necessarily need. <laughs> Whereas I guess... If you're protecting yourself more, you may not get as many targeted ads. Admittedly, I'm stretching there a little bit, but I guess if you really dug deep into it as far as are you really saving if you have no willpower to say no to the advertisers on the back end? No doubt about it that you're you're tempted all the time. You'll see an ad and, and I do it all the time. I'll click on an ad and sometimes I'll buy something that I never even thought I wanted to buy and then I bought it. Then it's some shaker that I'll never use again in my entire life. So that's that is kind of true. A little bit back to Cocoon, what do we do? So we have two browsers. The first browser we built was a secure private browser. Uh, and we wanted to turn that into some sort of money-making machine where we could still keep you private and secure and still make you money. But it, that turned out to be an impossible task because the, the advertisers or the buyer and it's not just advertisers buying that data there's a whole slew of people that want to buy this data there's hedge funds that want to know typically what what is the trend where is it going in the stock market um, there are instant other institutions that want that data amazon there's all types of people that want to buy that data Experian. i mean i, I just the list goes on and on and on so the browser, the, the secure browser, 
It turned out we couldn't make money on the secure browser, and that's why you don't see many secure browsers. Is because uh, secure meaning that your your IP is hidden. Uh, we built a, a marvelous product where the and I think we're one of the few in there where you can't the user can see out he can see all the ads, but that the um, advertiser can't see who you are. So they're kind of advertising you blindly without getting a lot of information about you because in our browser, on the Cocoon browser, that's the uh, secure one, it everything stops on our servers. So none of your data really hits your computer or nothing downloads onto your computer. It just, unless you press download, uh, everything stays in the cloud. So it's kind of like a string from an advertiser to our server and then it comes down to our user but they have no idea who that user actually is. So we built that. The problem was we couldn't figure out how to make money off of it. We tried to sell it, but we got overrun by the VPNs. So the VPNs, you have to understand the marketing world, they can just spend a lot more money on acquiring a user than something that is you know, fairly inexpensive. Like we priced it at about $9 a year. And we just, we just couldn't find the market because, you know, people saw more and more ads on VPNs and we were being crushed. So what do you do as a businessman? Well, maybe there's another avenue. Uh, and, and I was about to shut Cocoon down. Literally, I was at my wit's end, spent all my own money. I didn't ask my investors after I went one round. I didn't ask them for any more money because I'm the kind of guy that doesn't want to take people's money unless I, 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 have a, I think I have a sure bet. And I was wrong on my first product which eventually uh, hopefully will integrate into this product so you can have both best of both worlds. But uh, I realized, well, wait, everybody, all these people are, and that, actually it wasn't me. My son said something to me. He's in the tech world. And he said, Dad, you know all about browsers. What about monetizing people's data for them so, you can get, so they can get paid, take a piece of the profit? And I was like, well, that's a, you know, that's a great idea. And it was a struggle because I had to find an advertiser or a broker that would sell that data because, you know, you're selling a thousand people's data. That's not worth much. And it's, you know, not big enough to go get Experian or someone else to buy the data. So it was a real challenge to build that. Uh, and then it turns out that the mobile is a lot better because we can do both geolocation. And I know if anybody's in the privacy world, they're freaked out like, wait, you're following me around? And I would tell you, get your car every day and look at your phone before you leave for work. And it will tell you 14 minutes to work all the time. I get that. That's what they're doing. They know where you're going already before you even hit that gas pedal. They're like, ah, oh, 15 minutes to work. And they're kind of surprised when you don't go to work and you go somewhere else. So it's, it's just part of the no privacy any longer. And so we've decided, well, we might as well take advantage of it for, for the user and get them paid as much as we possibly can. And so that's what we're devising. And our plan over the years is to keep expanding and, and keep, when I say expanding, keep buying, keep selling data with the privacy, our privacy logic in place so that you can make more and more money. And I suspect it will, there'll come a time and it may come sooner than I think, but we haven't finished testing this. It could be as much as 400, 600, a thousand dollars a year. Again, I know exactly what you're talking about with uh, the maps. I remember the first time my phone came up and said, 15 minutes to home or whatever it happens to be. And I'm like, I didn't even enter where home was. So that just gives you a reminder of everything is being tracked. And especially with your phone, gosh, I, I almost wonder even if you close out certain apps, which I think a lot of people forget to do, they just hit their home screen and don't realize they're running in the background they are absolutely continuing to track you. And yeah, I'm definitely one that gets very paranoid about that. So to your point, from a business model standpoint, it's like, yes, it's very hard to get out of that. So at the very least, it's nice to be dealing with somebody that's going to be upfront with you. And even in the example you're saying of options, right? Here's a privacy option. Here's a, you can engage in the monetization option. Having that as an either or still is nicer than, Here's the only browser or thing that everybody is using and you can't get away from it because that's all everybody is using. And we're not going to tell you what happens with it after the fact. So transparency, if nothing else, I think is 
a step certainly in the right direction. Let me ask you on the monetization front, as far as how much people could possibly make, you're saying, you know, 800, $1,000. What would you say if I said, well, I'm a family of four and yeah, my kids are really, really young, but maybe I can get them on there and they have their own profile and so on. What does that look like as far as ages are concerned and individual users? So there's the COPA laws that are in place which don't allow you to track children under 13. We adhered to that. It's a little bit tricky to find those. We don't have many of those that we can find, but we can see by what you're, what you're monetizing. Obviously, where you're going, your parents are driving you. I don't expect that to be a big market. You know, The biggest markets are probably people that drive a lot uh, and they go places. That's probably a big market. But the kids... We just follow the COPA rules, which is uh, nobody under 13 is allowed to use it. And if we if we find you uh, or we find a child that looks like they're, you know, it's, I mean, they're playing games that are for 10-year-olds and stuff, uh, we'll just, we'll, uh, ban is probably not, we'll disconnect them. Because it is, there is a strict government rule. You're not supposed to track under 13 without their permission. And even with their permission, we're just like, nope, we don't want to get into that. We're not looking, you know, to do that kind of thing. Uh, we respect parents and and their what they want to do with the kids, and we're just like, no, sorry, we don't do that. So for us, um, I don't know about other companies that how much they track children and stuff, but for us, we don't do that. Over thirteen, I guess. Would kids actually, if they were interested in with emphasis on their parents' knowledge and involvement, be able to potentially engage as well? And then, I don't know, save up a little bit of college money or spending money or anything like that. Almost their first voyage into the gig economy. But don't forget, I mean, here's the thing that's interesting. Over 13, you can just make that decision. It's legal to sell your data, number one. And number two... They're just doing it anyway. They're just giving it away. I mean, unless you're running a VPN for your entire family, all that data is just being given to Google and given to Facebook. And they're all they're doing is saying, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'll go monetize it. So literally, your, your, your kid would be a better steward for themselves if they understand that. The parents understand that and say, well, at least kid could be doing making $15, $20, $25 uh, you know, a month. And that's just, you know, I mean, so from our standpoint, how we do this is it's a browser on the desktop. It's just a browser. And I wouldn't say today it's a great paying machine. We need a lot more customers to use it to get the advertisers to pay more. It's a different world on mobile. Uh, mobile, the advertisers are much more keenly interested and they're not just advertisers, they're hedge funds, as I said. They're brokers that want to buy the data. Uh, that's much more, I would say that's a richer avenue for everyone, including you know, us and the, the user, because we line up on the same side of the ball as our users do. To us, that's the, the they might as well get paid because all that data is just being used, and, and I wouldn't say used against them, but it's used to monetize those children or those 13-year-olds or 15-year-olds, and I, and I don't see the harm of using Cocoon to, to get paid for your data because it's just being taken from you anyway. Well, I think you're on to something as far as using it as a lesson. If parents are able and willing to do that, to show what's happening, use it as a lesson for how that version of the industry works, and then, again, ultimately, they're making a little bit of extra money. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could certainly have a a path forward there uh, to make it have it make sense for children. Uh, and you touched on a little bit. It sounds like this is maybe in the future as far as how much uh, the user can choose how much data they are sharing. And is it coming that also they would be able to going back to the email? example say okay yeah i'm all right having you share my email and here's the a little bit extra that they would get from that and so on it does it get down to that level at this point is that something to come in the future something to come in the future now at this time 
it's mostly bulk sale. So it's a group of, you know, thousands and thousands of users and nothing particular. But there'll become a time where, with permission from you, now remember, when you come on Cocoon, we ask you permission twice, not once, but twice, to make sure that you're okay with it. We pass then all the rules of, of believe it or not, seems like an oxymoron of, of Google, <laughs> where they're taking your information basically anyway. But we, we ask permission. We also, under um, all the California laws and all the other laws that are coming in place, we also identify our buyers. So if our buyers are hedge funds, we'll identify them. So if you decide, I don't want to sell my data anymore, all you have to do is tell us you don't want to sell your data anymore, and I want to be left alone, we'll do that, just as California and GDPR were GDPR proper. Uh, we'll do all that for you. Because once again, our company respects your privacy. And if you decide to you know, not want to sell your data, we're fine with that too. I mean, the, the thing is what I don't think Americans understand, which is, I mean, we're coming from our own little, our own little world, but this is going to help millions of people. And we're already signing up thousands of people around the world where they can make a little extra money to maybe get a phone that saves them in an emergency, pay for their phone bill, uh, gas. I mean, I've done some, so I'm beginning to do some studies and says, hey, this, you know, this, this app will actually make you enough money that will pay for a lot of your gas back and forth to work. And so there are a lot of positives. And, it, and as I said, most people's data are being sold. There's a small percentage are using VPNs. So you might as well cash in on it. Uh, look at the guy who ran for president. Andrew Yang. And you're going towards that universal basic income. My mind was going to the exact same thing. Go ahead. So, the, I mean, the point is, he recognizes this, that we're being taken advantage of, and he knows as well, like me. In fact, I, we've had a conversation. We're talking about this more and more with him and his group. They're just taking advantage of you, and you should wake up. And that's what, that's what Andrew's trying to do. I just think his method of trying to get Google to do something for you, they have 1.5 billion people. And I think it's an uphill swim with them. Now, he's got political... Uh, clout, so maybe he's got a better chance at it than other people. But my answer to to Andrew and anybody else is just switch. I mean, we we give you a Chrome like experience. Uh, you can use any search engine you want. So if you want to use Google, feel free to use it. They won't see your Chrome history, and you get paid for that. And you might as well just cash in on it because uh, as uh, as Zuckerberg said, there's not much privacy. In fact, I would tell you, even all the things you're doing, from what I know, there's very little privacy. And so you might as well cash in, uh, not to be brazen about it, but you might as well cash in and make money off of your own data. You know, just you're wasting your own valuable stuff. I mean, to me, it's like, it, you know, data is the new oil. Well, you should be part of that, that process of getting paid. And I sat down and did the math, and I was blown away that I could actually make this pencil for everybody and yet, you know, make our company a good striving company, good citizen. We're going to have programs where you can donate part of your money or all of your money to um, to charities you want. We're going to participate in that. I mean, to me, this is a social thing as well as it is a, a, a monetary thing where we're doing good things for the world and not just you know, how much money can we make? That, that's not the purpose of what we're doing. We have to make a nice profit, but we want all of our customers to make a profit off their data as well. You're speaking my language at this point of, uh, <laughs> of I guess as any American would say, you root for the little guy, in this case, Google being the, the giant. And, you know, then there seems to be everybody else. And like I mentioned, Firefox, that's one of the reasons why I've used their browser is if nothing else, it's not... <laughs> one of the huge giant ones. They're not Google. I guess I should just say, so I am right there with you as far as being able to switch to use, uh, in this case, a different browser. And then, yeah, make some of that money that is already being made off of you anyway. So it's, it's a very logical concept to me that I would think people would want to jump on. What kind of challenges do you face in everybody using Chrome and they just don't want to switch over because that's what everybody happens to be using. Actually, for example, 
the site that we're recording this podcast on, I know only works with certain browsers as an example. Are there other challenges that you're having to face as far as everybody just being used to a couple players in this industry? But what I found is, you know, money talks a lot. And, and when you realize you're not getting paid, but you can have the same browsing. Uh, and honestly, you, if you're using Cocoon MBR, you can't even tell the difference between us and Chrome on the most part. There may be a little things that we need to fix. Desktop is a problem right now. We've got to update our desktop, and we're spending most of our revenue on, on building the mobile. Uh, and we haven't even built iOS yet. We're still just Android. And Android has turned out to be a much heavier lift than I thought because of all the different, you know, they're a lot looser on their, their uh, mobile phones than uh, Apple. Apple builds their own phones. There's no variation. It makes it easier on Apple on the iPhones, but harder on the Android. But we picked the Androids first. And so that's been a bit of a challenge. You could literally put Cocoon in your pocket and use that for just geolocation. And if you're really happy to surf on Chrome, you could surf on Chrome, knowing, though, that you're giving away money, which you could earn for using basically the same product. The reason why I say it's the same product is because there's a thing called open source, which you're probably familiar with, and if you're not, it means we have to give back to the community. We as well will do that. And that allows you to build off of Chrome it's called Chromium, and it's basically, you know, they have – obviously, Chromium has some more, I'll say, gadgets to it. But you can use our product, and it's Chrome. It's Chromium, so it, it acts just like Chrome. It's very familiar to users, and the difference is you're going to get paid for your data. So people that say, I don't care about being paid for my data, I have a wife that probably says that. Like, I don't really care. This is not for her. But I can tell you that there are millions of people in the world that need fifty, hundred dollars, maybe as much as two hundred dollars a month. That that would be an easy switch for them because they're getting part of the profit, and the longer they stay with us, the more of the profit they get with us too. I am really, you know, all about our customers. I did this in my real estate career. I was only about how do I make it better for them. And the strategy worked because they stayed longer and longer with us. They didn't go to other other real estate projects. And I bring that same philosophy into my tech world, which is how do I make this great for the customer? You're definitely speaking my language. My mind is going to, if you remember when gas was, gosh, I think getting up to like $4 a gallon way back when, like, gosh, 12, 13 years ago. And I actually had a commute where I could ride a bike instead. And that's sort of the area of my brain that <laughs> is firing right now. You feel like you're cheating the system in some way uh, because you know it, it's a, a little bit of a different way of doing things. Whereas I do feel like people can get so used to whatever they think the standard way of doing something in this case the bigger companies that they are used to them being preloaded in their computer and just that's what they use. Um, so doing it a different way, I am all about. And yeah, I would hope people would consider the possible profit that they can get. And right, think of the things that you're paying for that could almost be free if you're sharing your data. Uh, let's say Netflix, for example. Now, granted, people don't need Netflix, but as far as dollars and cents are concerned, we're saying that you could get the same amount a month for your Netflix subscription. And if somebody handed you that for free, you'd say thanks, right? All right. <laughs> so, I mean, what if you, if you do, for instance, uh, let's say you drive uh, 30 miles back and forth to work uh, on a given day. That's what I drive about 30 miles. Uh, so 15 or 16 miles, 20 miles to the office, but it's freeway. That could earn me $20, $25 for the month. I mean, that pays for two Netflix. Now, what did I do differently? Nothing. And you know your car, you know your phone's already following you. You have, by the way, a lot of your apps are following you. I, I don't know if most people know this, but a lot of apps actually have an SDK in it. That's a small development kit inside their app, which is actually already sending your data off to someone else. And once again, you're not participating. And there are a lot of apps that are doing that. There are thousands of apps that's how they're making money where there's i mean as i said if it's if if it's not a paid product it's either advertising or they're selling your data and you're not in on the on on the 
thing on that. You're just not getting anything. So in my mind, worst case is put this in your pocket. And driving, you, you know for a fact, and it's very hard to block the guys that are tracking you. Uh, in fact, I don't even know how to do that on geolocation. I'm sure there is a way. But how to stop them from tracking you. But I, I guess what's the point of them, of, of you know, Starbucks? You go by Starbucks and Starbucks delighted. You never go to Starbucks, but they're delighted to pay you for that data. Well, and we, of course, gave the most obvious example, I think, with like Google Maps that that's absolutely happening. It's right in your face the whole time. And just checking for my own education, are apps able to collect the geolocation information even when they're closed or do they have to at least be running in the background? You know, that's a good question. I don't think I could honestly answer that. I know in the foreground what they're doing. They're collecting tons of information and that's what we're building something in the foreground. You can put this in the background if you want, but why? And in my opinion, if you're going to track and you're going to get tracked, you might as well make as much money as you can. That's you know, that's my that's my thing is uh, because we both win. I mean, both us and you win, and I'm on the same team. Which, as I said, that's the beauty of this, and that's what I like so much. A lot of times in business, it's like you, yeah, you're still trading a commodity, whatever that commodity is. But for us, we're on the same side. We're selling that commodity that you want to sell, and you're making money off it every single day. So to me, that's the win. And if people, you know, if they realize they don't have as much privacy, uh, and particularly driving around, I mean, this, to me, that's a no-brainer. Another, you know, sort of place of paranoia of your phone or device listening to you. And I think at this point, nearly everybody's had this scenario. You mentioned car buying, right? And I absolutely can say it was a friend saying they were looking at a Toyota. And next time I open my phone, sure enough, I have a Toyota ad. Is that something you guys are looking into as well? Or does that sort of live in a different realm? Lives in a different realm for us. I, I, I don't know if I'd ever get to that point because maybe that's going too far into your your privacy. Uh, it's a little spooky to me. I mean, listening in on your conversations, I have a, I actually disconnected, uh, uh, you know, one of those listening devices in my, the Amazon one, because it, it kept popping up and saying, Oh, I didn't hear what you said. Would you mind saying it again? And I'm like, no, I don't actually want to talk to you. I don't want you to listen in on my conversations. So I would tell you that's probably not our space. I think that gets a little to remember I come from the world of privacy. So my goal is to try and keep you as private as I can, but make you as much money. And I'll let you make the choice. Like you eventually, as you said, Greg, well, maybe there's an opportunity where I want to sell my, I want to sell my anonymous medical data or even, even just sell my name on it. And maybe there's a market for that eventually. And, and we'll provide that as a service to you. Uh, because that's what you, you know, all this data, uh, I think my point is all this data has got value and the consumer unknowingly is just giving it away and you are the product. I mean, I remember the, uh, you're, I'm sure you're too young, but there was a Twilight Zone episode where this, this spaceship came down and this guy, uh, giant, came and said how he could help the world and they had this book and nobody could decode what the book was. And so people were getting in the spaceship to go back to the other world. And it, this lady runs up to the professor who's getting in the spaceship. Don't go, don't go. And he says, why? And she says, the book is a cookbook. It's how to, it's how to serve mankind. It's a cookbook. And the point is that you unknowingly are the product and you unknowingly are getting on that spaceship and being taken off somewhere and you're being profited uh, and, and what you think you're getting is for free, this costs you virtually nothing to do. I mean, I could do run my servers, cost me almost nothing. And yet uh, these guys all make believe, oh, you know, we're doing such a service for you and they're making $300 billion a year. To your point, it's at least trying to put you in the driver's seat. And I think also that's why the listening devices is so jarring because with a browser or my phone, I'm at least actively engaging and wanting to voluntarily bring up that app or whatever I'm using. Whereas when the thing is listening to you and then you see it later, I, I think 
I'll say for me, that's where some anger starts to come in. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I could see that. But you see, with, with Cocoon, you have the total choice. You could turn the app off, you know, um, and it won't track you, or you can turn it on. But you don't have the situation where, you know, we, we are going to follow your data all the time. We throw without your permission. We don't. We just don't operate like that. We, I don't believe in that kind of strategy. It's just not me. It's not my company. And I. I will tell you. I will fight to my living breath never to sell our company to a company that would just do that to you. Well, I think that is a great sentiment, actually, for us to conclude. And I, I didn't mention at the beginning, but I, I do have the browser downloaded and am all signed up and ready to go. So I'm interested to start my journey and uh, see where it takes me with the browser. So, Jeff, if I have issues, at least I know where to find you. <laughs> but uh, before I before I let you go, do you want to go ahead and give folks any contact information? Obviously, if they either want to read up more on cocoon and the my data rewards and then maybe even any events or promotions you have going on there's no promotions going on at this point you can tell a friend and earn an extra three dollars uh that's always a promotion we're always happy to pay people the the website is try try cocoon c-o-c-o-o-n.com you just go there you can read up mostly now on the browsing uh, product the, the the pay MDR, or you could just type in MDR into your uh, search, and it will pop up as the number one item. Um, and and we're really focused right now on Android, completing Android mobile, and I believe your mobile is your best bet to make your most amount of money. We already have one very nice deal set up, and I just signed another contract for another deal which uh, uh, or just waiting to put in place. Um, so if you're a user and you have an Android phone, I apologize, we don't have iOS yet, but download this. Um, there is, we have some problems. I do want to give you a warning. Nine and 10 on, on Android, we're having some issues with. So I would recommend maybe wait a week if you have a nine or 10. Use, if you have seven or eight, it's fine. It works perfectly. Uh, and, and be patient on the mobile because it's beta and this is pretty new. So on the desktop, I would tell you, download it. You're not going to make as much money there until we get a much bigger crowd of people. And then we can start pushing the prices for you. Cool. And I'll make sure to put uh, some of the links that you mentioned onto the show notes so uh, people can conveniently click over and find out more. Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today and we'll be in touch. Great. I, I really enjoyed your show. You asked some great penetra- penetrating questions and a uh, great show. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope, uh, I hope people learn something out of this and got educated about what's going on in the background of your computer. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or all other major podcasting applications to be notified of our latest episode. You can also join our conversation at suburbanfolk.com or any social media site, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the handle Suburban Folk. Thanks for listening.